0: very good morning to you it's great to see you all Uh, my name is Neil I'm married to um, Kate and together we attempt to lead this church the Southwestern Vineyard I'm just eyeing up those who are the the two people in the balcony who shouldn't be there but not you two, the other two they've gone now um Okay, so uh, this week has been a week, um, a terrible week um, for all kinds of reasons. The first time in decades there's been military conflict in Europe on this scale. Leaders around the world are describing. unfolding events in in clearly very sobering terms, saying that the impact could be catastrophic. Uh, Just this week, uh, we've seen um, the leader of one of the world's greatest uh, nuclear superpowers um, threaten those who resist with unprecedented uh, consequences. And obviously, uh, we were planning on uh, starting our Lenten series this morning, but our sense of, I think our sense of the response that many of us are having to uh, the news, the levels of anxiety and fear being experienced and articulated by many, including people who are here this morning, led us to conclude that perhaps we just need to create some space to uh, reflect on what's going on in the world around us and invite the Spirit of God into our responses and our reactions and just allow him to minister to us um, his peace. And whilst of course um, the events of the past uh, just 10 days I think are extremely, it's extremely unsettling on a whole number of levels from our perspective, Um, our first thoughts really must be with uh, the people of Ukraine. And so we join with them today. We stand with them today in mourning um, loved ones who have been killed. We we share in their grief uh, in the wake of this invasion as a nation. They fear for their homeland and their homes, their country and their communities, their lives and their livelihoods. I don't know what the uh, exact figures are now, but I think it's, over, uh, it's, it's well over a million who have had to flee as refugees. And there are genuine fears as to what the future holds. And so we stand uh, with the people of Ukraine this morning. We also stand with the people of Russia who, many of whom, I imagine, have no real idea what's going on and may not have subscribed to this war in the first place. And so we stand with our sisters and brothers, we join with them as they cry out to God uh, to bring uh, peace to their land. So there is no question that we are living in difficult days, difficult times, this conflict is coming um, at a time when many of us are still reeling. We are sort of already uh, troubled. We're already unsettled by the pretty traumatic events of the last uh, two years. Uh, The majority of the world is still reeling from uh, the COVID pandemic, uh, which is estimated, I think, now to have claimed in excess of 5 million lives uh, globally. And um, of course, It may just be a matter of perspective, but it feels like the last few years in many ways seem to have been a bit of a relentless uh, tide of troubling uh, global events. We've seen um, unrest around the world. You know, the ongoing uh, decade-long conflict in Syria is now estimated to have claimed, I think, over 400,000 lives, a quarter of um, whom are thought to be civilians. Uh, Last year, thousands of Afghans uh, fled their homes as the Taliban took control of Kabul. Uh, Following the withdrawal of the U.S. and the U.K. uh, troops, we've seen um, natural disasters and, you know, increasingly alarming reports of the escalating global climate crisis. We've witnessed um, disasters in the form of tornadoes and earthquakes and floods and fires and famines, um, we live in a time that might remind uh, many of us who are familiar with our scriptures of the events that Jesus warned us to expect would unfold before his, um, uh, between his first coming, some 2,000 years ago, and his return at some point in the future. So if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Matthew 24, and let's take a look at these words of Jesus of Jesus, starting in verse um, 6. <clears throat> Let's just pray before we do that. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that your spirit is with us. Uh, we ask that you would pour out your presence upon us um, and that you would open the ears of our hearts to hear what you and um, Father are saying to us. We don't want to take on anything that isn't of you. We don't want to be weighed down by anything that's not of you. Let us just receive your words to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This is uh, verse 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, All these are the beginning of birth pains. And Jesus basically is warning us that things are going to get um, to be very difficult. Things are going to be hard before he returns to set everything straight. That there will be wars. There will be rumors of wars. The nations will rise against nations. Kingdoms against kingdoms. But Jesus encourages us with these words. He says, do not be alarmed. And then just reading on, um, he encourages us in the midst of challenging times in verse 12. He says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. See to it that you are not alarmed and stand firm. Now, nobody but the Father knows uh, the, the hour of Jesus' return. We can't predict it. We just know that it's going to happen. And Jesus describes all of these troubling events as, as the beginnings of birth pain, like sort of um, the onset of labor pains. And so uh, his return may be imminent. It may be centuries off. We, we literally have no idea. But the events we're witnessing are a reminder that we live in a time that the Bible describes as the last the last days and this is an age that began when Jesus uh, first came and which will culminate in an acceleration of um, tempestuous times before Jesus returns to fulfill uh, to restore the fullness of the kingdom and to right every wrong and today i want us to have a look at how do we as followers of Jesus in the united kingdom how do we respond to uh, the unfolding events in ukraine And I think, first of all, the invitation from the Spirit of God is do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. Verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Uh, In Luke's uh, gospel, in Jesus' famous passage about worry, uh, Luke writes this in, in chapter 12, verse 31. He says, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do not be afraid. That um, familiar refrain from the scriptures. We see it time and time again throughout the scriptures. Fear not, fear not. It crops up all over the place. And as followers of Jesus, uh, one area where we are called to go against the grain, and there are many areas we're called to go against the grain, but one area specifically we're called to go against the grain is in relation to worry and anxiety and fear. And it is really, really hard. There's no getting away from it. After the week that we've uh, just experienced, the most natural thing in the world is for us to worry. Um, We're worried for the people of Ukraine. We're worried about what this may mean. Uh, Many of our young people, especially, are are really, really uh, worried, uh, with good reason. Um, And a big part of the problem is that we just have no idea really what we're facing, the uncertainty, which has become so familiar to us all over the past couple of years, can really easily cause us to lose hope and to lose heart as we become overwhelmed by anxiety and fear. Uh, this week, as we've been asking people around us how they're feeling, uh, there's a lot of anxiety and worry. But in Luke uh, chapter 12, in fact, let's just, um, let's just take a look at it. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 22, it says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. When I uh, worry, when I become anxious, as I have done so many times over these past few days, it's, it's been about the anxiety and the uncertainty of everything that's going on. It all feels so incredibly overwhelming, and I'm just constantly feeling out of my depth with like no idea what's going to happen and how things are going to work out. And one of the things that Jesus is getting at here, I think, in Luke 12, is that although we may well believe that the source of our worry The source of our anxiety, the the root of it all, is outside of us in some kind of external force. I think that Jesus is gently inviting us to question whether maybe we've got that the wrong way around. Maybe Jesus is saying it's not because of all this stuff that's happening around you. Maybe the real reason that we're worried is because of something inside of us. Something very, very deep inside our own You see, Jesus, in this passage, is just talking to ordinary people. Um, They're probably mostly farmers and fishermen, and their their livelihoods and their their families, everything, uh, was all held in the hands of the good fortune of of the weather. One heavy rainfall, one spate of drought, and their whole lives would change in a moment. And to these people, Jesus is saying, don't be anxious, don't worry, don't be afraid. And for us, certainly for me, the anxiety um, we may be feeling, the worry that we are experiencing, the uncertainty that we face, it isn't just coming from the crisis happening in Ukraine. It's not just coming from uh, the threat of what may unfold over the coming uh, weeks and months. Our sense, certainly my sense of anxiety, isn't solely rooted in these external things. Um, Our anxiety, my anxiety, our worry, is actually more of an enemy uh, within. Worry is unsettling us uh, from the inside out. And our anxiety is being used, I believe, by the enemy to rob us of our peace, of our trust, and our faith in the one who sustains, in the one who holds us fast. And as we face uh, these most challenging of times, we may well ask you know, perfectly understandably, how realistic is it to say, don't worry? In such a time as this, you know, my anxiety, my worry, it all feels pretty involuntary. Uh, and I find myself questioning whether Jesus is actually being helpful, um, whether he's even being literal, when he kind of commands me not to worry, do not worry. Uh, but what Jesus is saying, I think, is actually incredibly hopeful and helpful. And uh, hope certainly is what we all need right now. Because the reality is, as we're all discovering um, way too quickly, we've discovered this over the last two years if we didn't know it before, um, we have so very little control over what's happening around us, especially right now. I have no power over the actions of a president. I I have no control over what may or may not unfold. And I think that's why I can so easily feel um, so anxious. I think that's why so many of us can feel so anxious as we begin to realize just how little control over our lives, over anything really, we actually have. But while we may not have much control on what's going on around us, um, I do believe that we can take charge of what's going on inside of us and with with us. Each one of us is uniquely placed um, to know and to shape through the power of the Holy Spirit what's going on inside of our own hearts. As Jesus says in verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And and what that means is that the things that we place our value in, the things that we give ourselves to, the things that we treasure, will ultimately lead the direction our hearts go in. And Jesus is giving each one of us this really hope-filled word, as he says, do not be afraid, little flock, for the Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's saying you don't have to react the way that everybody else does. Instead, each and every one of us, we can choose, we can choose to surrender our hearts and our lives to King Jesus, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And as we turn our hearts and minds to Jesus, little by little we become less preoccupied, we become less consumed with worry in the face of really, really difficult and trying external circumstances. And right now, uh, that feels like an impossible task, I get it. Um, Our entire world is once again being shaken to the very core. Our lives, uh, and more importantly, the lives of those around us, the lives of those in Ukraine, the lives of those people in Russia, their lives are being disrupted and challenged. But we're all feeling it again. But maybe it's helpful to remember that our first response in all of this is to not be afraid, not to be alarmed, to fear not. And then secondly, um, we're to stand firm. Go back to Matthew 24, verse 13. It says this, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this imperative... um, The Bible's full of them, you know, it's like, do not fear, stand firm. Um, This, again, crops up all over the scriptures. It's in Ephesians 6, verse 11, uh, the passage on the armor of God. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Again, in verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 9, resist him, that's the devil, uh, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. And then 1 Corinthians 15:58, the end of this fantastic chapter on the resurrection. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We are to stand firm. It's at times like this when things are looking bleak, you know, that we need to remember who's on the throne. Um, because, you know, and again, that's why worship is so important. Just, um, I don't know, when, when did you prepare your set? Yeah, I, was, I just thought the set this morning was fantastic. As I was singing along, I was thinking, yeah, this all resonates, um, which is good. But, you know, worship is really important as a way of us reminding, you know, again, you're sick and tired of me hearing this Eugene Peterson's thing about interrupting our preoccupation with ourselves and attending to the presence of the Almighty It's a challenge, I have to get it into every sermon, right? Um, It's good for us, especially at times like this, to interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves, to interrupt the the news feeds that are just dripping into our brains and our hearts and our minds, and interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves, attend to the presence of the Almighty, and worship Him, and remind ourselves, and remind each other, that he is on the throne. It's one of the reasons that we have this sort of slight shape that we do is so that we can see each other as we worship. Yeah, it's like the Isaiah 6 thing. I'm going to be off piece here. The Isaiah 6 thing, you know, the antiphonal voices of the cherubim and the seraphim singing to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and the earth is full of his splendor. That's what's happening here. Sometimes we're here and we haven't got the strength or the faith to believe the stuff we're singing. But your brothers and sisters in Christ are singing that truth over you. They're standing alongside you, shoulder to shoulder. And that's what happens in this dynamic. That's why this is so important. And so especially at times like this. It's important that we come and we're here and we're in the presence of the living God and we're in the presence of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we sing the truths that we know to be true, but right at the moment don't feel like they're very true. Anyway, we need to remember who's on the throne. the age that we live in, um, it bears witness to this ongoing spiritual battle that is being waged between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Uh, and the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God, which Jesus came to proclaim and demonstrate some 2,000 years ago. But but while the kingdom of God has been ushered in through Jesus, it's not fully here. Have we worked that out yet? Um, Jesus said, absolutely, you know, the kingdom of God is near. It's in you. It's come upon you. It's been given to you. 100% he said that. But he also told many parables about the kingdom of coming at some point in the future um, he even taught his disciples to pray for his kingdom to come for God's kingdom to come God's will to be done so clearly it's not fully here it's here but it's not fully here if you've been around the vineyard it's a now and a not yet thingy so we live in this time that theologians call um, we experience what theologians call eschatological tension You know, eschatological, it refers to the end times and tension because it is constantly tense. These two different ages coexist within our experience and in fact are competing for supremacy every single day, every single moment of every single day. And so the kingdom of God is here, but it's not fully here. Um, We live in a world where we see goodness, incredible goodness. And we also see just incredible evil. Uh, We see darkness and we see light. We see lives ravaged by sickness. And sometimes people are healed, and many times they're not. Sometimes acts of terrorism are prevented, uh, and other times lives are lost to terrorism. Uh, Governments outlaw and stop trafficking and slavery, and yet these things continue to affect so many. Sometimes humanity lives in peace and unity, and sometimes war breaks out. God's will is done. God's will is not done. Uh, John, 1 John three eight says this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. And sickness and death and poverty and pain and wars and rumors of wars are the work of the enemy. Yes, absolutely, a fallen humanity partners with the devil's schemes in it, and humanity must take responsibility uh, for our actions in in choosing to advance the kingdom of darkness rather than the kingdom of uh, God's light. But in and through the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he destroyed the work of Satan. He destroyed the work of the enemy, and he won um, a decisive victory over Satan and his dominion. And so the truth of the matter is Satan, the enemy, the devil, whatever you want to call it, has lost this battle. But it's, it's like he's like a wounded animal. He kind of reels, and as he reels and staggers, he just continues to lash out, desperately trying to do as much damage to whatever and to whomever and wherever he can in these last death throes. Although um, we still live in a time where all too frequently we see the outworkings of the kingdom of darkness, we can be fully confident that there is a day coming when the devil will have no more sway, a time when there will be no more death, there will be no more mourning or crying or pain, there will be no more war for the old order of things has passed away. And in this in-between time, this time of the now and the not yet of the kingdom, the call on our lives as followers of Jesus, as disciples, um, is to stand firm. And how do we stand firm? Well, firstly, um, we pray, which uh, we've all been doing. Um, And secondly, we give. Um, Just go back to Matthew 24. This is verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And, you know, right now it may be completely and utterly inconceivable for us to imagine somehow the God who redeems will take this terrible crisis that the enemy has intended to cause harm, and he will redeem and restore it. Um, Just this week, we heard of vineyard churches in Ukraine who are still doing all they can, um, crying out to God uh, to worship and to pray as they continue to love and serve those around them most in need in the midst of their very real crisis. These incredibly courageous men and women of God are choosing, you know, as the shelling comes down around them, they're choosing not to be anxious, not to be alarmed, but instead are standing firm on the foundation of their faith. I saw a, a video that was posted on Facebook. The, the, the Vineyard in Kyiv um, had a live service and they were just worshipping together and praying, and they posted it on Facebook, and it was just incredible. Here they are, just like in the midst of, goodness only knows what's going on around them, choosing to worship the Lord and to pray together. And it was fantastic that so many people from around the world joined in with them on that while they could. And here at Southwest Down we want to join with them take their example, take their encouragement in the midst of all that they're facing. This is what they're choosing. This is still far from us in comparison. So we should take their example, we should take their model and join them in not being anxious either. And instead choosing to stand firm with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we want to bless them absolutely with our prayers. But we also want to give of ourselves and we want to equip them with our resources. And so um, alongside our prayer, we're joining with uh, Vineyard Churches UK and Ireland. You know that we're part of a family of churches across the UK and Ireland and indeed across the world called The Vineyard. Um, And Vineyard Churches have set up a fund for the churches in Ukraine to support them in their hour of need. Uh, and the fund will be used uh, for the immediate relief for churches. Um, Jeremy Cook, who is the head of, he's been around the Vineyard for over a, a day. Uh, he must be about 160 by now, but um, he is uh, the chair of trustees of Vineyard Churches trustees. He's also Vineyard Churches council, uh, but he is also the head of the Ukraine partnership, mission partnership, and the Vineyard has been leading a a mission partnership into Ukraine for, I think, 15, 20 years. And Jeremy has been uh, the head of that. And Kate and I were speaking to him just a couple of days ago. He's been in touch with the vineyard churches in Ukraine every day. Uh, At the moment, well, when we last spoke to him, he said, we're still able to get cash into the country. And so what they're wanting to do is get cash to the churches so that the churches can carry on their work for as long as they possibly can before the banking system collapses, uh, if indeed it does. But um, the money is for the immediate relief of those churches, in fact, any benevolence that they can practically uh, express and demonstrate that uh, being right on the ground. Uh, it's also for the extraction, to support the extraction of certain people, especially uh, the vulnerable uh, for women and children uh, in those uh, war zone areas. Um, perhaps moving forward, it will also be used as partnership uh, with certain humanitarian organizations where it's appropriate it may come to a point where can no longer get money into Ukraine directly and so um, the Vineyard will use that money to support other humanitarian efforts uh, through organizations like um, Tier Fund, Red Cross, uh, whoever. Uh, and then, you know, depending on how things go and depending how much money is in the fund and how much has been used, uh, if there's still money there, it will be used in, uh, to help in the rebuilding uh, post-war. Um, of the churches and their ongoing mission in Ukraine. Uh, Kate and I spoke to the trustees at the end of uh, last week and the trustees have already uh, contributed to this fund on behalf of Southwest London Vineyard, uh, which is great. But if you would like to add uh, further donations to that, um, you know, there are lots of ways in which you can um, give to this. But If you want to, you can add to that. You can give, um, there should be a a link coming up uh, here, which is up on the website. And the thing um, that's possibly slightly different about this, you know, and it's not like anyone is better than the other, and I'm not suggesting that. Um, It's just that this is um, going straight to vineyard churches in Ukraine. It's going to kind of family, um, as far as we understand it. Um, and these are people that we have relationship with. These are people that we know on the ground and we understand how they work and what they're doing. Uh, and so it, it potentially has that sort of more personal connection and contact, yeah? So again, um, you will all have responded in, in whatever ways you feel appropriate um, to the situation and the crisis. Um, but if you felt able to um, give to this, that would be um, fantastic. And we're Giving to Southwest London Vineyard, so that then all of that money is restricted, uh, so it won't be spent on anything else but Ukraine, and 100% of it will go um, to uh, on the ground on Ukraine in, the, in Ukraine. And uh, we're giving it to Southwest, so that Southwest can collect it and then just send it up to Vineyard Churches, just because Vineyard Churches don't have the manpower, the, the person power, the resources to be able to administrate lots of sort of piecemeal gifts, if that makes sense. So they're asking in your churches to collect money and then send it in lump sums, um, uh, which uh, we'll do. Um, these are indeed troubling times, uh, but the invitation from the Spirit of God to the church is that we embody the fullness of the kingdom of God and, and go out into this world as a non-anxious presence that we stand firm in our faith as we share in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we set aside our own anxiety um, and fear, and instead we stand firm in the hope to which we've been called, um, we stand with uh, Ukraine. Uh, We stand with the people there in our prayers, and um, with our time and our energy and our money and any other resources the Lord may have in his generosity and abundance um, given us. And we stand with them and both pray and act that God's kingdom would come and that God's will uh, would be done. Why don't you stand?